These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. So this is the inaugural episode of Cinema A to B. That's not this is my far. co-host, Alec Mullman. Hey, everybody. How's, how are you doing? Um, I'm Ben Starkey. So a real brief reason why in the hell are we doing this? Because we've been discussing these these films that we love for almost 20 years, for as long as we've been friends, and uh, I've regretted not recording them. So we're going to fix that in 2023. Yep. So what are we discussing today, Alec? Today we're discussing the... Avatar 2, or actually Avatar The Way of Water, I guess we, everyone calls it Avatar 2, but that's not actually its name. So. Yeah, but for, for the sake of brevity, I think we, we will call it Avatar 2. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so initial thoughts. Well, so I'm not a huge Avatar fan of the first one. So uh, my wife is a huge fan of it. And so we went to go see it in the theater. We saw it in 3D. Um, biggest screen we could get wasn't true IMAX, but it was like, you know, the next best, best thing. Um, visually stunning. Like I have to say, visually, it was probably one of the, the prettiest and most kind of integrated of CGI and, you know, real life stuff that I've seen today um the story wise i was unimpressed i was never i wasn't bored with the with the the movie even though i felt like it was definitely a little bit long um i will say it felt really similar to the first one the story like obviously it was kind of the continuation of the first story obviously but it just felt like they went to a new place and they were doing the same kind of things of a fish out of water story of like this is a new thing we've got to learn all the things so let's do a montage um and then we got to fight and bringing back the same kind of bad guy while, you know, kind of continues that story. It also felt like just a rehash of right. the first one. So, right. And for those listening, this, this unfortunately is not a uh, spoiler free. Um, <laughs> we, I, I have a goal of being sort of spoiler light if we can, but I, I don't okay. think it'll matter. So yeah. we always would encourage people to uh, have probably seen what we're going to discuss unless it's an old movie that, you should have seen already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I did have the chance to see it in 3d IMAX. Um, and yes, visually stunning. And what I liken it to is, was putting on a pair of, um, basically a VR headset and with a fixed point of view. Mm -hmm. And that's how that was the clarity of the image. Um, and then they, they, the IMAX 3d presentation I went to was, was high frame rate. Nice. So he peppers, okay, yeah. he peppers in the high frame rate as you go along. There are instances early on that are 48 frames a second with that hyper clarity that people are trying to get, still get used to. And then as the movie progressed, the, the third act was basically all high frame rate, which I actually liked because it took all the motion blur away. And I, I felt like people weren't getting kind of nauseous because the, yeah. the, the camera does move around really quickly in that third act with, and it is a stunning action sequence. So I agree with you that the story is very kind of average. Yeah. I think as a movie, it's actually a little bit above average, but mm -hmm. visually it's visually it's the most stunning thing I've ever seen in a theater outside of maybe the dark night. 
in <laughs> in actual 70 millimeter IMAX. That's probably still number one, the clarity. This was awfully close. Yeah. Um, the best comparison I can make with this movie is is probably Tron Legacy. Which is movie. which is actually a like a kind of an above average to average story, but visually was was stunning. And I actually we both saw that in 3D IMAX, if I'm yeah. if I remember correctly. And that was yeah. that's one of the best movie theater experiences I've ever had. And so is so is Avatar 2. But I would agree with you, it's three it's probably 30 minutes too long. Yeah. And it's all yeah. and that 30 minutes is sitting in the second act. Um but <laughs> Visually, it's so impressive that you kind of can overlook that length of it being okay. too much. Yeah. Like I said, I was actually never bored and I never felt like it was long. Like I never was like I never kind of came to myself in the theater and was like, oh, my goodness, come on. Can we move along? Which I think holds to Cameron's storytelling and ability to you know get you invested. Um, the emotional beats hit. Um, not they weren't like the best emotional beats that, you know. I've had in a movie theater um, setting, but they definitely did hit, but they definitely were for, foreshadowed and I could figure out like when things were going to happen, when I was going to feel sad or joyous or those kind of things. There wasn't, there wasn't anything that Cameron did that in this movie that was, I would say outside of the visuals that was, had changed motion pictures that was new or different or putting on its head. It was very much kind of a regular story beat uh, kind of scenario, kind of story that I mean, he does it really well, obviously. I mean, he, that's the reason why he, you know, his movies do, you know, are box office successes. Uh, but to go back down to the visuals, um, you hit on a movie that I wanted to bring up too with the dark Knight scene in, in IMAX was I felt like the same kind of wow setting um, of watching this film as when I saw Dark Knight and IMAX and it went from the letterbox to the full IMAX screen, like especially in the, that opening sequence with the Joker where he's like going through the window in the bank robbing scene. I mean, just to see like that on the full IMAX, like non-letterboxed, it was, I, I, I'm still, that's probably one of my favorite movie going experiences ever of just kind of going from that, you know, shorter, smaller, Thing a smaller uh, visual to the the full IMAX visual is just amazing. Yeah, and I I would encourage somebody that hasn't seen Avatar if they have an IMAX nearby, which unfortunately is is kind of tough um, to do it that way. Or or if you can't find a 3D IMAX screen, if you could find an AMC running it in Dolby Vision, mm -hmm. Dolby Cinema in 3D, that would be pretty close which which brings me to my next point which is either see this movie in 3d or don't see it at all wait and for it for your own screen yeah yeah it seems like such a waste to have gone to in in 2d i don't i don't think the visuals are are that much better in 2d from the first film and the first film's impressive but i felt like there was a huge leap in the quality of the 3d from 2009 original avatar to this to this movie mm -hmm. it it was a huge it was a huge leap forward in clarity and it has to do with the cameras he was using he was he was actually recording avatar one in traditional hd mm -hmm. in a dual camera setup and then this movie they're using 4k sony venice cameras two of them for the stereoscopic and it's it's a huge leap in clarity yeah and which makes which makes the world feel even more realistic 
and then you put the high frame rate in and it, it really, it sort of gets confused with the video game, I think a little bit because of the, the high frame rate, but it's impressive. I mean, and visually James Cameron's really prioritized the visuals and pretty much everything he's done Mm -hmm. story kind of takes a backseat. He's not going to try and reinvent the wheel with with his stories but his stories aren't bad i i think this this movie's been unfairly really heavily criticized it's not a bad story it's just pretty derivative and he still felt like he was world building to me mm-hmm. so and and he's even said that in some recent interviews that that this was still laying groundwork and that part three four five was more he would be able to kind of unleash the beast as far as what the characters are going to do and experience so I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm with you. I'm not a I'm not this massive Avatar Pandora yeah. fan, but I always have appreciated James Cameron. Oh yeah. I mean, to me, he kind of picked up where he he took the torch. I feel like that was lit by George Lucas of 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 pushing the technology forward to continue to t- to tell stories that were immersive. Mm-hmm. He's really he's he's kind of the only one that's really picked that up and ran with it pushing all this, this 3d technology forward CGI. That's as impressive as anything you'll, you'll see. And then actually blending that with live action. You can't tell the difference. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's Cameron does stuff for like the visuals. I think like Nolan does for sound or, you know, the shot selection or like how, how the story runs out and stuff like that. So he's, you know, where Nolan focuses on those, you know, Cameron's definitely 100% focused on how do I get this to be the most visually stunning or how do I get this to, you know, be as immersive as possible uh, visually. Um, so. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. I, I definitely recommend it, but again, 3d, 3d only doesn't have to be 3d IMAX. Just, yeah, just a good solid 3d presentation. Yeah. I think we don't have, it's not an IMAX. It's what they call their extreme screen. Um, at the theater in where I'm at. Um, so it's slightly tilted. Um, so about by about 15 degrees or so, that's what I'm like, I'm like, I'm actually read of it, but it is Dol- Dolby Atmos sound, which is oh. amazing. Yeah. So, uh, definitely if you can, if you have a theater that has Dolby Atmos. Atmos and I, that's the trade off, right? I mean, we're going to kind of get into the weeds a little bit here, but I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, is IMAX. You're, you're not going to get a screen size that rivals IMAX. And the sound in IMAX is overwhelmingly bass heavy and loud. I've, I've seen a couple movies in Atmos within the last year. Uh, and we'll talk about those movies. I'm sure in future episodes, yeah. the, the two were Top Gun Maverick. And then the other one was the Batman and the Batman was the first I'd seen in, in Dolby Atmos. That's as immersive as a sound experience as you're going to find. And the picture is really good too. I mean, they're running, they're running a really good, I believe it's a dual 4K display. It is. And so it's really bright. And that's the one I would recommend if you have it for, for if they're running 3D in the Dolby. That's probably the best you're going to be able to find with regularity across the country because n- n- hardly anybody's running the laser setup with IMAX. And for those listening that don't, aren't familiar, IMAX basically is broken down. There's three tiers of IMAX. There's IMAX 70 millimeter film. There's only a handful of these left in the United States. 
the one we, Alec and I, when we lived in Southern California was the, I believe it was an AMC. Yeah, it was. It's City Walk. And that's still there. And they're still running 70 millimeter film along with the next tier, which is a, a 4K laser setup, which I've heard is awfully close. Yeah. And then the third one, affectionately known as Limax <laughs> to people that don't like it, is what I have here in Wichita, which is a dual uh, 2K Xenon setup. But I'll tell you, it was impressive with Avatar. It really yeah. was. And it and it ran the high frame rate stuff. It looked it looked great. It looked good. So this, yeah, this movie is a visual beast. But you don't go to James Cameron movies for the story depth. No. I mean, Titanic didn't even have Titanic was a visual feast. Mm -hmm. Um story-wise, you know, if we go back to his his films probably his best story i don't know it's probably between true lies and terminator 2 and that's not that's not heavy story so that's not what this guy does yeah no it's not i would definitely say i would lean more towards terminator 2 um true lies is is great but you know overall i think it there's less changes or different story beats where t2 kind of took a little bit of like the Terminator series and then popped it on its head and built like a, that whole kind of relationship between the T 800 and uh, John Connor and all that fun stuff. And yeah, but yeah. And that's uh, widely considered Cameron's best film. I think by most, hmm. most movie geeks, I think would say T two is the best thing he's, he's done. Ironically though, it doesn't even, it's not even top three or four. I think at box office. No. I mean, um, and I, but I that's, think that's the one most people point to. Yeah. Well, and I know also like the, the visuals in T2 were definitely, you know, kind of heralded and talked about, but even that was kind of just him building off of the abyss um, as well. So, I mean, the T1000 was really just the abyss, you know, water stuff just done. And we, we should discuss the abyss yeah. because I think that's his most underrated movie. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, and the movie where he almost killed several cast members, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Ed Harris will not talk about his filming experience on The Abyss mm. and and swore to never work with the man again. Yeah. So we can I, we can discuss that. But it, yeah, The, the Abyss, I think, would be underrated. And The Abyss is a building block movie for Avatar, The Way of Water. Mm-hmm. The man had already done submersible filming in a huge tank for the abyss however many years ago a old movie now yeah late 80s i think so he'd already done that he's he keeps laying the groundwork for alex gonna look this up 89 89 so So he'd already done it and so he had all those techniques for how to shoot in water already down for this to shoot 3d in the water because he really did insist on shooting in the water. Mm-hmm. He seemed to understand you couldn't, you couldn't replicate that with purely with, with CGI. So all the motion, all the face capture of all the leads are done in the tank. And I believe they had to learn how to hold to breath hold for minutes and minutes at a time. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did it with uh, avatar too, as well. I mean, that's, yeah, um, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. 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 That, yeah. Kate Winslet and she all of them record. had to 
had to learn how to breath hold for, yeah, Cameron will push you. I mean, mm. not everybody enjoys working with the man. And I think he's mellowed over the years. Yeah. But you can't argue with the results. I mean, he, he is the box office king for sure. He yeah, just only yeah. makes movies about once a decade. So, well, definitely but, now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and visually, you can kind of see why it took so long. And I can also see why he maybe chose some of the story beats that he did for this. Like, we're kind of, you know, like I said, a little bit of a rehash or reintroducing the characters. And um, just because, I mean, what, 16 years between it? I mean, you've got a whole new generation that didn't see avatar you know or doesn't have any type of either childhood or you know early memories of avatar and so kind of have to reintroduce the world especially we're going to do four more in the next you know decade yeah and i i i actually now that you mention it i think i feel confident saying that you could go into avatar way of water without having seen the first film and pretty much understand about 90 percent what's going on yeah even even down to Korich and what he was and his memories being in now in the, the hybrid and that yeah. you don't really have, you don't really have to have seen that. It's not essential viewing to, to understand what's happening in the way of water. Yeah. And that's definitely, I, I think that's intentional and he had to have understood that, like you said, the time that's elapsed between film one and film two, that you, you have kids going to see way of water that weren't even born in 09 so smart smart guy yeah really smart guy so not so obviously not 16 years i did that that math wrong so you know closer to what 13 12 or 13 yeah yeah which is a long which is a long time between sequels yeah so So, but we won't have to uh we won't have to wait that long now no well and and now he's filmed these simultaneously most of it yeah well he, he talked about the he, uh, sorry go ahead <laughs> no go ahead and refer are you going to refer to that him avoiding the stranger things which which i found interesting i it must have been a concern over voice capture mm-hmm. of as far as avoiding the kids aging rapidly the way they have between seasons of stranger things um and we will discuss stranger things we will we will yeah i just feel i feel bad for the the human kid who thinks he's a navi cuz that kid is he's like loincloth-ing it up he is shirtless the entire movie through and i'm like man that that is some you're going to have to do a lot of push-ups and a lot of working out the entire shoot to stay in kind of roughly the same shape that you need. Well, he's to be. basically the Tarzan of of Pandora. Yeah, I mean definitely he is the Tarzan of Pandora. But yeah. I'm just saying as an actor having to like oh, yeah. keep no, that physique. Kid, no, that for, kid that kid worked his butt off. Yeah. yeah. And he's not, you know, he wasn't roided out or anything, but um yeah, he Pretty and he's big, not bodybuilder uh, builder big. He's not like Chris Hensworth, where like they had to shoot all the the shirtless scenes like on one day when he's peaked. I mean, oh like he yeah, because he's peaked. Right, right. Yeah, no, that but, kid. That kid worked worked his tail off, and I can I can only imagine that he was cold for most of the shoot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe they had a big you know like NFL coat offset a big jacket after like to in put, between. Him, put him in between yeah. takes. But yeah, that 
that I forget what's his name. Here, He's pretty okay. good. I think yeah. he uh if he doesn't get typecast off this, I would expect him to have pretty good career yeah because he's not really he's not he's not a child actor right he's i think he's 16 17 18 years old somewhere in there yeah he's definitely up there spider jack champion yeah he did well he did well he held it he held his and and frankly he's a very central character Mm -hmm. i mean he's not they kind of introduce him as this side character and he ends up gobbling up screen time so and i'm and obviously they're laying groundwork here for so I want to go into some conjecture briefly before we close okay. this this episode off. Does the Korich hybrid clone is he being set up to switch sides? Oh, that's a good. Um. Yes, I mean, I uh, that that's that was my feeling about it, um, especially when. How to spoilery, obviously, um, talking about how, you know, sees his kid and his kid is so against him. And that last third, you know, final scene where it's just kind of like he wants to save his kid. And it's going to be like the, you know, the whole like Luke Darth kind of situation where the son's going to redeem the father kind of situation. Um, And then that begs the question of like, if he does go over to the side, are they just going to make another one of him? you know, to, yeah. to be yeah. the bad I've, guy again. I've, I've read that on, on Reddit, them yeah. asking that very question. Would you want to see that him fight, you know, a clone of himself? And I, I, I'm not interested in that, but I do, I do think he's set up to switch at least for a time. I don't know if it's permanent, but they seem, Cameron seems to be posing a question here of, are you, more than just your memories. Mm-hmm. And I think the answer will be yes, you are. Mainly because he's not he's not really Quaritch. He's his own thing. He's and he's gonna have to make and yeah, and 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 other so much has so much has taken place since the first movie that I believe he is gonna have to come to terms with with what he is now, which is mm-hmm. not Quaritch. Far from it. So, and I felt like that was one of the more interesting, that might've been the most interesting story beat of the whole movie. And it, it barely kind of got touched on. And the other beat that was really good was just about fatherhood. And I, and we're going to continue to see that, but that when the movie focused on that with Jake and what it meant to be a dad, a parent, that was really good stuff. And and that's stuff that you didn't, that's content story stuff. You didn't see in the first movie at all. No. The problem was they didn't, that wasn't consistent throughout. They kind of went away from it for long stretches. And, but I, I think that will be it rectified in, in subsequent films, more of what, what parent, you know, what it is to be a parent, what it is to let these kids go and be their own people basically. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's pretty, that's interesting. That's, that works within the, the world he's built. And, and frankly, that's not something I can recall in any other Cameron movie. That's not, that's not stuff he's really touched on. So, mm-hmm. well, I think we, uh, I think we're about out of time. Yeah, definitely. But so. 
stay tuned for more episodes. We're going to try to drop these once a week. Cinema A to B. Again, not very and far. Very, what's very that? short. Very short. A to B. Just, you know, one letter over. Yeah, and we're trying to keep these short, too, around yeah. 20 minutes. I think we went a little bit over that today, but thank you for tuning in and watch for the next uh, the next drop.